From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is a special episode of Battleground Ballot Box. I'm Stephen Fowler, and for nearly three years, a grand conspiracy has lingered over Georgia politics like the thick humidity of a southern summer afternoon. Now, a grand jury in Atlanta is expected to hand down indictments alleging the election conspiracy was advanced by former President Donald Trump and that his efforts to pressure, cajole, and harass officials into changing the outcome amounted to a mob-like criminal endeavor. But the former president did not act alone. An army of lawyers and lawmakers, trusted party officials, and true believers played important roles in advancing the effort to subvert the 2020 election results in Georgia. And soon, they'll likely face legal consequences of their own as the fallout from the failed attempt continues to reshape who we vote for and how those votes are counted. What happened in fall of 2020 is that 28,000 Georgians skipped the presidential race, and yet they voted down ballot in other races. So what are we going to do here, folks? I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. The system held, but barely. And the system held because people of courage, Republicans and Democrats, like the witnesses you will hear today, put their oath to the country and Constitution above any other consideration. On this episode, we'll turn back the clock to understand how we got here and how Georgia's election system came to be ground zero for election conspiracy. To understand how Georgia's battleground status led to a marathon test of its election system that withstood pressure and attacks from the most powerful politician in America, we've got to rewind the clock back to 2018 and talk to then-newly-elected Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. That's the most important thing, is that people need to understand that their vote was counted fairly. I would think when people understand that their vote uh, was counted, uh, there was no glitches, that, that it's accurately counted. That gives them confidence, and that's very important. The mild-mannered engineer hadn't taken office yet, but was already hard at work on a Herculean task, replacing Georgia's outdated electronic touchscreen voting machines with something more modern, and getting voters to have more trust in the voting system after an outcome they didn't fully believe in. Sound familiar? In the aftermath of 2018, where then-Secretary of State Brian Kemp narrowly defeated voting rights advocate Stacey Abrams in their first face-off for governor, Abrams and her allies alleged there were issues with Georgia's voting machines and rules that prevented people from casting their ballots. But even so, they did not try to overturn the results of the election in the process. I acknowledge that former Secretary of State Brian Kemp will be certified as the victor in the 2018 gubernatorial election. But to watch an elected official who claims to represent the people in this state baldly pin his hopes for election on the suppression of the people's democratic right to vote has been truly appalling. So let's be clear. This is not a speech of concession. In 2019, Georgia's Republican-led legislature approved spending $150 million for a new touchscreen voting system that would include a paper trail over Democrats' objections and calls for hand-marked paper ballots. They tweaked some of the laws Abrams criticized and added, among other things, a requirement for audits of certain races, starting with the 2020 presidential race. After a lengthy procurement process, Georgia selected Dominion Voting Systems ballot marking device that prints out a piece of paper with voters' choices printed on it, plus a QR code in the corner that contains those choices, which is then fed into and read by a scanner. 
Elections officials traveled far and wide to educate voters about how the new machines worked, even showing up to the Georgia National Fair to convince people between amusement rides and fried snacks to practice casting a ballot. I got the voter card, put it in the new voter booth, and voted for all the fun things at the fair, and then printed my ballot out, I came and scanned it, and then actually put it in to count the ballot. So far, so good. There was a pilot of the new machines in municipal elections during the fall of 2019 where the usual small issues popped up. Poll workers forgot to plug in machines, had to learn how to use the iPad-like check-in devices, and sometimes the ballot printer got jammed. Fast forward to the early days of 2020 in a nondescript warehouse in Cobb County where the final trucks of Dominion equipment were on their way to counties just weeks away from the presidential preference primary. It is next to impossible to explain how many things had to go out in such a short period of time because it's not just the big touchscreens. It's like the peripherals. It's the uh, ADA equipment that has to be tested and go out. It's every printer. It's every scanner. Um, you know, we have all the ballot boxes. You've got to make sure they're not cracked or broken on their locks. I mean, it is literally, I think I, think I did a math, it's something close to 200,000 pieces of this different pieces and parts, and it's probably even more than that. That was Gabriel Sterling with the Secretary of State's office. It was the largest ever rollout of voting equipment in American history, and what state election officials thought would be the trickiest thing on their plate that year, apart from the higher turnout that comes with a presidential election. That was before the coronavirus pandemic hit. The largest rollout of elections equipment in U.S. history is happening in Georgia. We have been working since the pandemic hit. A disaster in Georgia. This is very unprecedented, and I can't, I've been doing this 20 years, and I can't wrap my head around everything that needs to be done right now. Aside from upending everything about day-to-day life, COVID also changed how people voted in Georgia and in other states, including an avalanche of new absentee-by-mail ballots that allowed people to vote from home and avoid others. In Georgia, the Secretary of State's office made voting by mail even easier by mailing active registered voters absentee applications for the primary and established secure drop boxes as a way to return those ballots without relying on the mail. In fact, even Governor Brian Kemp deposited his ballot in a drop box. Poll workers, most of them elderly, stayed home. Counties opened fewer voting locations and dealt with longer lines while also struggling to keep up with processing mail-in ballots. After the June 9th primary, three important things happened. One, state and local elections officials took steps to make sure those issues didn't repeat themselves in the presidential race. That included creating an online portal for voters to request an absentee ballot, rule changes allowing counties to start processing mail-in ballots before Election Day, and boosting the number of poll workers and polling places to cut back on waiting, including the Atlanta Hawks partnering with Fulton County, Georgia's most populous county, to offer State Farm Arena as an early voting site and a place to count ballots. Two, the Secretary of State's office honed in on Fulton, home to Atlanta, as a place with chronic election issues. From our data from Election Day so far, approximately 70% of all the issues in the state were in Fulton County. Fulton County's issues are now conflated with Georgia's elections overall, in spite of the Georgia election officials and workers who have worked their fingers to the bone to bring us a successful election. And three, former President Donald Trump continued to baselessly attack voting by mail, even as he himself cast ballots that way, and suggested he would also not accept losing the election. 
I think that mail-in voting is a terrible thing. I think if you vote, you should go. And even the concept of early voting is not the greatest, because a lot of things happen. But it's okay. But you should go and you should vote. I think you should go and you should vote. You look at what they do, where they grab thousands of mail-in ballots and they dump it. I'll tell you what, and I don't have to tell you, you can look at the statistics. There's a lot of dishonesty going along with mail-in voting. Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. Heading into November 2020, there were concerns about record turnout, fewer poll workers in voting locations, and, in the background, misinformation about how those votes are counted. On the political side, Georgia was shaping up to be one of the most competitive battleground states that would decide the outcome of the election, and the final days saw visits from former President Barack Obama, then-President Donald Trump, and candidate Joe Biden. And this is not just about uh, Georgia. This is about America. I love Georgia. I love being with you. This is Georgia. This is Macon, Georgia. We won Macon, Georgia. We're going to win it again. It's great to be back. I believe when... You use your power. The power to vote will change the course of this country. Right here in Georgia with all of you. These are the final days. So keep that sense of empowerment with you. What does this short history lesson have to do with potential indictments in Fulton County, Georgia, in August of 2023, you might ask? Well, understanding the challenges and successes with Georgia's new voting system sets the stage for how Trump and his allies sowed chaos after he lost the state by less than 12,000 votes, exploiting existing concerns and forcing elections officials to deal with death threats, false claims, and three different counts in the span of a few weeks. Enter election night. It's also clear that we have won Georgia. We're up by 2.5% or 117,000 votes with only 7% left. They're never going to catch us. They can't catch us. Votes out of Fulton County, the state's most populous county, are continuing to stream in. They currently don't have an estimate of when the absentee ballot counting will be done here in Fulton County, but as of 7.30, they still had 30,000 ballots, according to the county. So it could be weeks until Georgia decides a winner. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. This is a major fraud in our nation. 80% of Georgia's votes were cast before Election Day, with about a third of those coming from mail-in absentee ballots and the rest during a three-week early voting period. Nearly a million more people showed up on Election Day, leading to record-setting turnout and intrigue as those votes were counted. Gabriel Sterling, with the Secretary of State's office, held the first of many press conferences, informing people of how many ballots were left to be processed and reminding them that taking time to count every vote is normal. Fast is great, and we appreciate fast. We more appreciate accuracy. As Georgia's 159 counties finalized their processing of outstanding votes that needed to be counted, Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger told reporters to brace themselves for a tight margin and a likely recount. Right now, Georgia remains too close to call. Of approximately 5 million votes cast, we'll have a margin of a few thousand. The focus for our office and for the county election officials for now remains on making sure that every legal vote 
is counted and recorded accurately. As we are closing in on a final count, we can begin to look toward our next steps. With a margin that small, there will be a recount in Georgia. Interest in our election obviously goes far beyond Georgia's borders. The final tally in Georgia at this point has huge implications for the entire country. The stakes are high and emotions are high on all sides. We will not let those debates distract us from our work. We will get it right and we'll defend the integrity of our elections. Little did they know how much defending they would have to do. On the next episode of Battleground Ballot Box. This hearing is the tip of the iceberg. People are lying and attacking my mom. The Georgia legislature must appoint the presidential electors to meet on December 14th. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get shot. Someone's going to get killed. It's your responsibility if a false and fraudulent count is submitted to the United States government. And it's clear that the count you have right now is false. From false claims made in unofficial legislative hearings to phony electors and stolen election equipment, there were many people involved in multiple attempts to derail the election results that seemed to be in the crosshairs of prosecutors, not just the former president. We look at the complicated web of Trump allies that may face charges in the coming weeks. Stay tuned. Battleground Ballot Box is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting and is produced by Chase McGee. Our editor is Josephine Bennett, and the theme music was created by me, Stephen Fowler. Subscribe to our show at gpb.org slash battleground or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.